Storm of Spoilers is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Do you like paying for coverage you don't need? Of course you don't. Liberty Mutual customizes your coverage so you only pay for what you need. Check out Liberty Mutual and see how much you could save on auto and home insurance. Visit libertymutual.com slash podcast for a free customized quote. State requirements and policy terms and conditions apply. We value your opinion. Make your voice heard by going to megaphone.fm slash opinion to take a short survey that will help support our network. Hello and welcome to a storm of spoilers. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and if I had a witch power, I'd be able to turn into a dragon like Maleficent. My name is Joanna Robinson, and I forgot to read this part of the document. So if I had a witch power, um, I would have the power of making you all forget that I didn't have an answer for this prompt. (laughs) And I'm uh, Neil Miller, and if I had a witch power... I would do the one where you can uh, do potions that turn people into, like, animals and stuff. Like, hey, drink this, you'll turn into, like, a goat. Because uh, I think that would be a, a really awesome party trick to, like, host dinner parties and turn people into a bunch of animals. And that would just be fun. Which animal would you pick? To become? No, like, to turn people... Like, if you were to, like, vengeful turn people into animals? Because, like, Cersei of the odyssey right she did pigs that's that was her thing sure what would be your signature animal um i don't know i wouldn't be i wouldn't do it um with malice i would do like happy versions i'd be like hey come on over and i'll turn you and like three of your friends into like puppies and you can hang out did you say puppy because your dog nico just shook uh, yeah his collar okay well also puppies are really cuddly (laughs) and like who Uh wouldn't Think about it, like, when you hold and cuddle with a puppy, how happy you are. What if you were also a puppy? Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I'm going with this. Great. Interesting. That's an interesting direction to go with it. I like it. I think more witches should use their evil powers for fun things. Not necessarily good things, just fun things. I think there's a lot of examples of people using their wishy powers for fun things. Uh, this week, and uh, the, the witches bitches episode of star wars spoilers um if you are a donor at our patreon at patreon.com slash star wars spoilers at the maester and small council level you'll be getting a bonus segment we'll be going over some of the horror movies from this year that have uh been scaring us and dealing with like traumatized women passing things on to their family you're really selling that (laughs) As a must-listen bonus segment. I mean, it's going to be a must-listen bonus segment since it involves involve some of, the, I think, the best horror of the year, for We're sure. We're going to talk about some scary shit. Well, That's well right. let's, let's, let's put it also this way, uh, in addition to your great sales pitch. Dave finally watched The Haunting of Hill House. Joanna finally watched Hereditary. Neil is here to listen about it. Neil didn't so. watch any of that stuff. <laughs> Neil's been watching the horror show that is the news. <laughs> and he's that, having trouble right now. That does fit more under more scary shit than well. Also fits along traumatized women through her. No, not important. What also is important on this part of the show is that I tell you about Con of Thrones. It is a Game of Thrones convention. We are a Game of Thrones podcast. 
This week we're going to have stuff to talk about. You bet we're going to talk about Game of Thrones on this week's podcast. We got spin-off news. But this Con of Thrones is from July 12th to 14th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets are on sale now. This will most likely be after the final season of Game of Thrones. So not only will we be discussing all of that, but we'll get to discuss uh, any spin-off news that comes up between now and then. Uh, but first, Joanna, do we have any reviews? Yes, please don't mind the potentially like the screams of children you might be able to hear from the street. I promise I'm not doing anything witchy to them. Um, yeah, I have a review that I want to read. Um, and it goes a little something like this. Five stars string by from string one. Who I think might be someone I know from the Slack. Uh, you've seen what she can do, but things Natalie Portman cannot do. A storm of spoilers, Slack investigation, Mary Anakin. Cause it will be the end of the Jedi. Keep her standing while being a world-class ballerina. Stop V from blowing up parliament star on SNL and not rap become best buddies with her doppelgamer in, in the shimmer. Wash dishes in my kitchen. Not that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't let her. Beat up Yashin Kushner because she fights like a hamster. Stay in a relationship with Thor. Prevent her parents, the president and first lady, from dying at the hands of Martians. Prevent her husband, also the president, but not her father, from being assassinated in Dallas. Actually change anyone's life with a Shin song, despite claiming this manic pixie ability. Follow Anakin down a path. Watch her people suffer and die while those deaths are discussed by a subcommittee of a galactic government. Forget, forget the 5th of November. Not smoke profusely while discussing her marriage and husband's death from her home in Hyannisport. Correctly guess which of the Storm of Spoilers patron, patron wrote each bullet point. Not be confused with Keira Knightley in the early 2000s. Eat meat products. Keep a relationship with Ashley Kutcher strictly physical. Eat a dozen donuts without getting them all over her face while keeping while driving. Keep her head attached to her body in the 16th century England. Kill women or kids. Not smoke, bomb, cush, and drown the doctor while giving birth. So... You know what is- I like about that? <laughs> First of all, five stars. Second of all, just a ton of, like, casual spoilers in there if you know what you're looking for, but otherwise, like, you don't need to really worry about it. Spoilers for the JFK assassination. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so I guess that's a gift from our 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 Slack patron. Yeah. I don't know. I I asked before. I didn't get all the way through that uh, review before I was like... Why is everyone talking about what Natalie Portman can't do? Because I had seen it happening in the Slack, and then it was in this review, and now I see that they are one and the same. So yeah, we missed the precipitating event, but I guess that's that's. What oh happened. my god, they made a whole Google Doc about it. You guys are oh are man gems. <laughs> I am going to well, need somebody to start like summarizing stuff for me. Like you know that uh, that app Nuzzle, where it's like it takes who's who you're following on Twitter and like tells you what articles a lot of them are sharing. Um, I need that, but for our Slack, like just hit me with the bullet points here. It's real fun in there where where apparently we're keeping a rolling tally of things Natalie Portman cannot do, uh, at the Storm Spoilers (laughs) I'm going to keep an alternate list of things Natalie Portman can do. So wait, you're like, our goals just have a list of all the things, all the things Natalie Portman can or cannot do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that would presumably encompass all the things. Presumably, yeah. Hmm, yes, list all the things. <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm just, like, now finding their conversation that they had about this. You guys are the best. Sorry that I didn't <laughs> see this before. <laughs> Neil, you know what time it is. We've been talking about Natalie Portman enough. Yes, let's chase her into the storm. 
uh, where hopefully she survives. Uh, hopefully one of the things that she can do is survive storm chasing. Uh, this week we're talking about whatever it is that we're thinking about. And I will start with a movie that I have not yet seen, but a movie that I am going to see. I believe it is available on iTunes at the moment. It's called Killer Bees. It is a documentary about a basketball team and their quest to... It's a, you know, it's a real story. Uh, quest to win a state championship, and but it's also about income inequality and racism and America. And it's produced by Shaq, and it is has qualified for the uh, latest round of documentaries for the Oscars. So... Two reasons. One, big basketball fan, love watching stuff about basketball, even though I anticipate some of it will make me mad or sad. I have a feeling it'll be triumphant. Uh, two, definitely rooting for Shaq to win an Oscar. Because why wouldn't you want to root for that? So that's uh, why. Because maybe no, two years he, in a row of basketball uh, players getting Oscars is dumb. He has not so dumb. Neil, you're great, but this is dumb. Your no, idea yet. I love Shaq. Let's get <laughs> Shaq a, an Oscar. Your let's just let the world burn attitude is exactly what gets you depressed about <laughs> politics, my friend. No, I think honestly, I think um, I just want more basketball documentaries. So the more basketball things that win Oscars, the better in my mind. But you know, I mean, obviously, other topics are a big deal. But basketball, I think you're a very small sliver of a funding <laughs> Venn diagram that necess- You know, I'm glad you're being catered to, but I don't think you necessarily <laughs> need to be catered to. Anyway, so I'm going to check out uh, the movie Killer Bees, uh, and whether or not it gets an Oscar, it'll it'll get like however many dollars it costs me to rent it. So support art. Anyway, yeah, Dave, what's your thing? Uh, so Java was out of town this weekend and Filmstruck announced that it was closing. So, uh, instead of, you know, occasionally jumping in and playing video games, uh, like during the week, I figured I would, uh, jump in with my friends who like work weird jobs, weird hours. So for this weekend from like 11 PM to like 1 AM each night, I've been jumping on with a whole bunch of like dad friends of mine and playing the Halloween Fortnite. It's just been nice and fun, but it's also been allowing me to spend my days uh, streaming uh, Filmstruck movies before that goes away, uh, which has also been fun. So it's a mixed bag and two things that you probably heard me say before, which is that old movies and Fortnite are fun. Uh, But I I can't, I don't know. Mine's not as deep. And doesn't involve Shaq getting an Oscar. So, mixed mix bag there, too. Uh, Joanna, how about you? Um, I, you know, just, like, shoved the Netflix needle deeper into my arm uh, and watched um, The Bodyguard starring Kevin Costner. When, you know, just kidding. It's not Kevin Costner. Whitney Houston, guys! It's Richard Madden of Game of Thrones fame. Um, this this is a BBC uh like, you know, one-off miniseries, uh, I should hope God spare us from Bodyguard Season 2. Um, 
that aired uh, just really recently. Something I like actually just noticed is that the lag time between when something airs in the UK and when it starts streaming on on US Netflix, that window is really uh, narrow. So it just like sort of ended its run in the UK and then it all dropped on US Netflix. Uh, so Richard Madden plays the titular. That's Rob Stark, uh, if you didn't know. Plays <laughs> the titular bodyguard to Keely Hawes, who's an actress I really like. She plays a, she is, I think it's the home secretary, um, is her, you know, high up politician. She's slightly conservative. He's a former soldier who, like, does not believe they should have fought in the Iraq war. She is very much, like, bolstering up, uh, you know, mm, an overreach of government securities in the UK, uh, in response to terror attacks and stuff like that. And so he's slightly conflicted of like, does he protect this woman, even though he like hugely disagrees with her politics? That is like a very, very, um, light surface, surface, surface premise of what this thing winds up being. There's, it takes a lot of missteps, I, I would say. Um, but Richard Madden is, incredibly great in it um and uh, he hasn't done like a ton of stuff that i've been compelled to watch post game of thrones i always liked him on game of thrones um have you guys seen him in anything uh since he left uh the cinderella i guess the cinderella i think yeah. is really yeah. the only place i can go <laughs> yeah. to for that i know he, i know he did i want to say he did a romeo and juliet also with lily um name i don't remember right now anyway um lily james thank you all right uh thank you other side of my brain um but anyway (laughs) point being richard madden full scottish brogue his natural scots accent super conflicted grappling with ptsd yes he looks very handsome in this but he's also like he's also just like very very good in a show that kind of in my mind goes off the rails and so uh, you know then i admire his performance even more and something that I, you know, I think if you listen to this podcast, you will not be surprised to hear me say that, like, I don't think Kit Harrington is the strongest actor on the show. And I know that at, at one point, you know, in the beginning when they just had a bunch of handsome boys in a room, there was a time when they were like, maybe Richard Madden should play Jon Snow and Kit Harrington should play Rob Stark. We don't know. They were figuring it all out. And um, I wish all the time that Richard Madden had gotten the role of Jon Snow. I think he... I I think the show would be a much more a uh, much deeper place right now uh, than it is. So that's it. And the last thing I'll say, uh, and, and I might throw this up on Twitter later tonight if I get bored. But like, <laughs> can you can you think of like one word line like the most powerful one word line? Because for me, I think it's Richard Madden going mother, like you know, at the red wedding. So this is mother. I think that's like the most powerful one word line that comes to my mind all the time. I think about it. Um, so I might like throw that out as a prompt to think if other people have like one word. What about Dracarys? That's a good one. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be from Game of Thrones. Dracarys oh. is good. But Dracarys isn't as good without the like boom of the score behind it. You know what I mean? But it's, it's still pretty good. Um, anyway. That's those are my jumbled and confused bodyguard thoughts. Would I suggest you watch it? Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, ups, I'm not upset that I watched. That's it. That's a no. There's too much TV. That's a no. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. 
I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not upset that I watched it. I think he's great in it. I just don't think that it is overall a great uh, piece of television. <laughs> I, I only have time now to get like a few words past the. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I do think I want to check that one out. I'm going to add it to the list of shows that I'm probably not going to watch, but might watch. Uh, lists. So if, I many to, lists. if I were to recommend a Keely Hawes show, um, I would recommend Ashes to Ashes, which is the uh, follow-up to lo- the UK show Life on Mars. She's so good in that show. That show I really liked. That show also went a little off the rails. She's so good in it. Anyway, she's a gem. He's a pearl. This show does not deserve them. All right, with that, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Guys, there's Game of Thrones spinoff news. Naomi Watts has joined the Jane Goldwyn Game of Thrones prequel spinoff. Joanna, refresh us on what we know about this this prequel. So everything we know about the Game of Thrones prequel, um, we know that it is uh, co-written or co-created by Jane Goldman and George R. R. Martin. Jane Goldman, who you might know from like a lot, like the kick-ass Kingsman sort of films. Those are things that she has worked on. She's also show-running um, this series. George R. R. Martin ha- is fond of calling it The Long Night, but um, there isn't a... Uh, an official title for it. And it, it takes place thousands of years before the events of the main series during the age of heroes. Um, and in the, like what's interesting, you know, not a lot is known about this era in history. And so I think that was appealing to HBO because they're like, okay, let, you know, Oh, those smug book readers think they're so smart. Let's do an era of the books where, you know, George R. R. Martin's like, it's kind of murky because it's so far in the past. And like, they cover their ass even more one step further by saying in, in like the pitch from HBO or whatever, it says only one thing is for sure from the horrifying secrets of Westeros's history to the true origin of White Walkers, the mystery of the East to the Starks of legend. It's not the story we think we know. Um, so no, like if you're like, um, actually in, uh, George R. R. Martin's, uh, you know, books, uh, they said this and HBO was like, yes, but this is not the story you think, you know? So like, you know, good luck book readers. Anyway. Todd Rick Stark. Todd Rick Stark. <laughs> um, Naomi, Naomi Watts has not only been cast, she's been cast as a charismatic socialite, with a like a dark secret or a secret to hide and um, a secret this, white walker boyfriend i think my favorite theory and this is a theory that i came up with and then our friend of the pod uh friend of the pod brendan blackfish said on twitter uh like he said he said it too but like he might have been being sarcastic because sometimes he is being really sarcastic so i don't know but my theory uh, there's this figure from that era, Land the Clever, uh, who, uh, you know, according to legend, uh, duped House Casterly out of Casterly Rock using only his wits. And then Casterly, uh, Casterly Rock belonged to Land the Clever. Land the Clever founded House Lannister, L-A-N-N, Lannister. Uh, so this is the, the origin story of the House Lannister. Um, in all the writings, Lan is dude. But since this isn't the story you think you know, um, Burn Blackfish yeah. and I both were like, yeah, well, what, like, there's a couple options here. Like, what if the Naomi Watts character, whoever she is, like, dresses up as a man to get, like, something that she wants, and that's how history remembers this? Or, 
it was a woman, but history like misremembered it as a man or like whatever it is. Um, like if there's, uh, you know, cross dressing <laughs> involved, I'm excited because I just rewatched Shakespeare in love. Um, you know, if there's, you know, trickery involved, I'm excited, but basically like the idea of Naomi Watts in this show is like, how is she not playing either a Lannister or, a Targaryen, even though we don't expect there to be any Targaryens in this show, because it, like we don't expect there to be dragons or Targaryens. But as soon as I heard Naomi Watts, I'm like, oh, that's a Targaryen. And then I thought about it, I was like, or oh, Lannister. Basically, I'm being like kind of blonde, blonde sis right now. But um, <laughs> I can't see Naomi Watts, especially as a charismatic socialite. I can't see her living in the North. So this is like a her part of the show, at least, feels like it has to take place in the South. So, because uh, I don't think anyone's charismatic or socialite-ish in the North. They're very doer up there. So, those are my Naomi Watts in the Game of Thrones prequel uh, off. And, we, you know, we should just, one last thing to address really quickly is, like, so this is supposed to go into production next year, 2019, to air sometimes in 2020. Um, there was a stupid rumor going around that was, like, uh, it's going to start shooting in October 2018. Like, you know, this was like a month or two ago. And it was just like, it's one of those stupid rumors that I was so annoyed by. Like, people were like, what do you think about this? And I was like, I don't even want to talk about it because, like, they haven't announced any casting. So, no, they have not secretly cast an entire Game of Thrones prequel and are going to start production on it without, like, uh, you know, any of that information getting out. So, anyway, those are all my Naomi Watts thoughts. Uh, do you guys have any? I mean, I like the idea of, like, doing some sort of historical bent on that character. I'm just not sure I like the idea that the pitch boils down to, what if we fix history Rowling-like by, uh, you know, switching a character's gender somehow? I mean, obviously the execution's important, but that's why I went, uh... I think when I would be annoyed. That news. Honestly, I think I would be annoyed if Weiss and Benioff did it, or if George R. R. Martin did it. But that is Jane Goldman doing it. I'm less annoyed by that, or actually not annoyed by that idea. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I mean I definitely that makes me think that there's more to it. But also, but also just thinking that that's going to be the. But that's still just. First... A the- I mean, that's just a theory. You know, it could be anything. So. Yes, that's true. I should be thinking about it that way. It could be significantly better than how I reacted to that, or it could be significantly worse than how I reacted to that. Sure could. <laughs> Neil, what are guess, your thoughts? <laughs> I guess it could go either way. Uh, no, I'm I'm all for it. I'm happy that they're casting it. Um, that's all I really... I mean, Naomi Watts is great. Let's do it. More Game of Thrones forever. A thousand I years. Another, <laughs> I guess another interesting thing is that, like they're casting such a name. Naomi Watts is not the most famous person in the world. She's not like Jennifer Lawrence, but she's a name, you know? And, um, when Game of Thrones was first cast, uh, you know, Sean Bean was the biggest name in the cast. And Sean Bean, like, you know, even with Lord of the Rings and other things under his belt was not like the biggest name in the world. Uh, so, you know, this idea that they're starting with higher star power, just really, demonstrates to me not just like the 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 way the stakes have changed on game of thrones generally um you know that it went from like this niche maybe we'll try a fantasy series to like this global phenomenon but also that um hbo 
which is just like fighting so hard against the Netflix encroachment, like is, is just putting all of its chips on this one thing is what it feels yeah. like, or a lot of its chips on this one. Well, and it had to be like a big move for her as well, because you're basically, you know, taking half your schedule for a decade. If everything goes as planned. Well, Sean, B didn't, ha- Sean B didn't have to spend a decade. on. Well, right. But doesn't that mean they're not going to do that for this series? Maybe. But like, I think that's why they were able to like lure Sean Bean in is because they're not like, it's like we're doing this very finite story for you. Right. But, um, yeah. Well, interesting and, uh, and positive. You know, someone was like, "Oh my god, Naomi Watts doing TV," and I was like, "Well, you know, she was she was in that terrible canceled Netflix thing, Gypsy, um, and then she was also in Twin Peaks last year, both of those last year. So Naomi Watts is like already dipped like a whole leg into the uh, TV pool. So this is just." The next best thing. I'm excited. At first, I was like, I was like, you can't cast Naomi Watts. She's American. That was my first thought. That I was like, oh, she's Australian. Join a fucking hell. Anyway, so the accent won't be a problem. Okay. I just don't feel like you've seen Naomi Watts do a lot of like British-ish things, right? No, I don't think so. Or at least nothing jumps to mind. Yeah. Her American jumps to mind. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. All right. With that, let's move on to some more enchanting women who mm. are in semi-magical worlds. With the meat and potatoes of the episode, our witchy prompts. Joanne, I'm going to let you take the wheel here because oh. you are our, our resident coven leader, I believe, oh. for this, this, this subject. How exciting. Um, I think this was actually, it was Neil's idea to do this episode, so shout out to Neil Miller. But Shout uh, out to witches. But witches uh, are what we talking. We're talking about this week. We are going to be eventually talking about the uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which dropped on Netflix last week. Which I know some of you have seen. We have seen at least some of it, all of us, right? I think. Um, yes. So we're going to talk about that and and the witches therein. But first, we want to do some general witch chatter, um, starting with my first witchy prompt. Uh, which I asked the crew to come up with their dream team power three witches. And, and if you're not steeped in witch lore, you may not know that often, uh, you see witches come in threes, whether or not it's like the weird sisters from Macbeth, the girls uncharmed, the craft, uh, hocus pocus, et cetera, et cetera. You often see these like try this tryout triad, um, mother maiden crone sort of witchy thing. So I asked our, our, hosts and myself to draft from all of pop culture their power of three team let's start with neil miller oh i got some um one of mine might be immortal as well are all witches immortal is that a thing no okay well one of mine might be uh first hermione granger probably the most resourceful and useful which to have on your team. I think Hermione... Nico agrees. Nico agrees. Uh, Hermione's obviously the um, smartest of all the witches, I would think. So I feel like if you're drafting witches, you just got to go with the best available witch on the board. So that would be my first one. Uh, I'm also taking Samantha from Bewitched. My list is very friendly. My, ri- my list of witches would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm, but also with Bewitched, I'm taking the Nicole Kidman edition because, Whoa. uh, I, I know controversial choice as a matter of cinema, but as a matter of my personal affection, since I was old enough to have personal affection, uh, all, all goes to Nicole Kidman. My third one is Nicolas Cage, um, <laughs> both from the movie season of the witch and from real life where I'm sure he's some sort of witch. <laughs> Nicholas right. Cage would be the, I, I would have the smart one. I would have the uh, optimistic one. And then I would, I would have the uh, wild card, which yeah. I think you always need to have. So those are my, those are my three witches. Wild card. Nick, Nick Cage is definitely your wild card there. I think. Yeah. Um, Dave, who's your, your, what's your power of three? So I'm going to take minor spoiler for a movie that's already out. Tomlinson from The Witch, A24 is The Witch, played by Anna Taylor Joy, um, as my I guess Thomason. 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 Oh, Are you thinking damn of you, David, David Tomlinson. <laughs> Thomason. I just read what's printed in the autocorrect document. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so she would be my, my, my maiden, I guess, is where the, is where, if we're doing that sort of triad, uh, mm-hmm. my mother, my mother figure would be Sarah Sanderson from a uh, Hocus Pocus by Sarah Jessica Parker. She could smell out boys for victims and what have you. Um, and then, uh, my head of my little triad would be Miss Ernst from Witches, the Angelica Houston character, who's also like the high witch. Who could like blend in and look like Angelica Houston, but could also tear her face off and look like a crone? So there's my crone. Nice. Um, my coven, my power of three, um, is what I like to call the batshit coven. <laughs> um, my All wild cards. <laughs> my maiden would be uh, Nancy from The Craft, as played by the great. At Furza Bulk. Um, Nancy flies, flies a little too close to the sun in the craft, but she's very powerful before she does. And I really like everything about her. Um, so Nancy from the craft, my mother would be, uh, Suki from Witches of Eastwick, which is Michelle Pfeiffer's character. So she's the least bad shit of all of them. I would say <laughs> none of the witches, the witches of Eastwick are exactly bad shit, but, um, they're amazing. And if you haven't seen that movie, um, Dave and I were just talking about before we started recording. I feel like it's a movie that like time has kind of forgotten. Uh, even though ABC tried to make a TV series out of it like several years ago, but isn't that it, a George Miller movie? It is a George mm-hmm. Miller movie. Yeah. yeah. Mad it Max, is, Fury Roads, George Miller. Yeah. So it's Susan Sarandon, Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer as a trio of women, uh, in, in, Eastwick was New England, right? That's where they are. And, um, and Jack Nicholson as a sort of, uh, devilishly charming man who comes to town. Anyway, uh, I don't know if it's that not apparent that he's the devil. Okay. Yeah. I think his, like, I think his character's name is like Van Horn or something like that. So yeah, he, guess what? He's the devil. Comes to town, um, changes their lives and uh chaos ensues so witches of eastwick uh, a great great movie i think i haven't watched it in a long time uh and then my crone uh who can also be a maiden if she chooses is the mad madam mim from the disney sword in the stone um <laughs> she is awesome 
Uh, she's a shapeshifter. Uh, she's fond of the color purple. So, uh, you know, I support her. And, um, yeah, is she a little evil? She's a little evil, but she's like fun evil. They're all like my evil girls are like fun evil girls. You want to hang out with them. So that is my, my powerful trio. There we go. Nice. Um, I think my, if, if our like covens were to square off against each other, I think mine would win only because they would cheat. So, you know, that's what I Well, think. yeah, if we're, like, fighting... Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think mine like, would um, bring sandwiches to the fight. They'd be like, here's a little something for after. Yeah. If we you- need some front-facing witches, Neil's team is, I think, like, the one that you want rolling out representing to the people. Which which diplomacy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wh- wh- good witch PR. <laughs> uh-huh. Roll out Hermione Nicholas Cage. <laughs> people will just love it. <laughs> Um, all right. My next prompt is for us to talk about like some of our, you know, because like, you know, the, the whole idea of witches as a concept that exists to like make people fear powerful women, you know, is, is an interesting thing to talk about. And so we want to talk about pop culture because we're a pop culture podcast. We also want to talk about some of these like weird, older, um, mythological sort of aspects of witches. So, like, we, I think we did this before when we talked about vampires. I feel like we did this, uh, where we kind of talked about, like, things you know about vampires, powers that they have, or things about them, and stuff like that. And with witches, it's a little messier, um, because the source is not, like, one thing. Um, yeah. We, a lot of these answers I wanted to have for this category ended up being spells when I thought about them, just, like, cool spells. Like, cool but- spells are cool, man. But we, so we're going to talk about like our favorite myth and or rule about witches starting, I think, with Dave, who has a great one. Yeah. So I'm taking real life Hungarian crazy woman, Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who um, we don't know for sure historically what happened. But uh, between like 1602 and 1604, they launched an investigation into her tower where she had been both hiring and luring unfortunates who would just end up dead. Uh, the rumor is, is that she would bathe in bathtubs full of their blood to stop aging or reverse aging, which is super cool and sort of gives us like a female vampire from history before we had the vernacular to talk about that sort of thing. So definitely, if you want to fall down a Wikipedia hole, look up Elizabeth Bathory. And if you are a um, an Outlander fan, which at least like a few of you are, um, that guy is that the guy on my street is definitely sorry about this, guys. Uh, there is a, a like, or even if you're not, you should Google this scene that they did last uh, season, um, where this character something that is not in the books that they added to the show, and the books are bonkers enough, but they added a bl- a, a very good-looking lady in a bloodbath, uh, you know, as a sort of nod to Elizabeth Bathory, uh, something that they added to the show, and it looks amazing, and, and the whole scene is amazing. So, um, yeah, that's where I learned about Elizabeth Bathory. It was last year, writing about Outlander, matter of fact. Uh, Neil, what is your favorite sort of myth or rule? Well, mine's a little biblical. Um. I am a big fan of sort of the origin story of sort of witchcraft and uh, these notions that um, they practice in demonology, that they are uh, the secret army of Satan. 
Um, I just think that sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> I want them to accomplish some some of their goals. I follow basically <laughs> what it comes down to is like I follow the Church of Satan on Twitter, and they're cool. <laughs> and literally anyone who everyone else kind of sucks most of the time. Um, so I think that's probably pretty cool. Talking to demons, I think demons get a bad rap. I think Satan gets probably gets a bad rap. Um, and uh, and I like witches as a more unified, like secret organization that's working. Although I guess at this point, if I were hoping that witches existed in real life, I'd be kind of mad because it seems like they're like bad at their job. If if whatever their job is to so, like oh you're you're talking about like the the various people who like the various witches who go out to like curse uh, conservative politicians yeah like let's get some let's do better that they're can, like trying trying to like hex Donald Trump and like real witches need to hashtag be best <laughs> so but like fake witches who can talk to demons I'll hang with that I'm interested so uh, mine is mostly related to Satan. Satan? So all the Satan hail, stuff, I'm into Satan. it. Right. Hail Satan. <laughs> um, I guess I would, I, I, I kind of wanted to go with like a, like the, the idea of like a grimoire that always is interesting to me. Um, or magic books in general are interesting to me, but I decided to go with a more predictable answer for me, which is the idea of familiars, uh, you know, as an owner of a black cat, I don't know that I have any choice not to uh, advocate for familiars. And, and I guess, yeah, like, okay, uh, Neil Miller, uh, if you, you can't pick your own current dog. <laughs> right, because that's another, not even my dog. I'm going to ask you another animal question, which is, yeah. if, you, if you had to have a familiar, what would it be? Like in Sabrina, like if I was a wick, witchin, Wiccan, what, what am I, Warlock? Warlock. Yeah. Warlock. Mine would be... The same answer that I give for if anyone ever asked me if I have a spirit animal, it would be a gorilla. Because I think it would be very helpful to walk around this world with a gorilla hanging out with you who you can speak to telepathically and no one else can talk to. I feel like you could just get a lot of stuff done. And it's very intimidating. Gorilla Grodd? Is that what you want? Yeah, pretty much. Well, but like but only like a nicer, he gets to talk to it. Yeah, like he, yeah. he can only really talk to me. It's uh he wants like a telepathic Coco. Yeah. <laughs> we could like do stuff together. It would be like having a friend. Yeah, like, you could be like put the ball in the round thing and it'll understand. Sudden, you'd be that cool person. It's like it's like the person in your social group who has a truck. When everybody's in like moving season, it's like okay, oh, okay. Hey, Neil's got a gorilla. Here's a question: Would you be, stuff. would you be the guy who has a truck when you need moving, or would you be the guy who has a pet snake that he brings to house parties? I would never be the latter. I would be the guy who has a big <laughs> truck and a gorilla who rides around All in the right. back. All right, uh, Dave. What would your familiar be? <laughs> Oh, it would be a mongoose. <laughs> I've always thought this about myself, even before, uh, I think last week, a video of a mongoose screaming at lions went around Twitter, uh, that I, of course, said to everybody I've talked to previously about being a mongoose, but definitely a mongoose. Um, they're tough little critters, and they're cute, and they'll kill a snake if you need them to. 
Yeah, I don't know if this is too close to your answer, but my answer is and always has been a ferret uh, because of my love of Beastmaster. I've always wanted ferrets that follow me everywhere. So there you go. Uh, familiar territory. All right. Our next prompt is to talk about our favorite story containing witches. This could, this could be a film, a TV show, a book. I'm sorry. Uh, I just thought about a gorilla attacking people by throwing ferrets <laughs> and mongooses at them. <laughs> I just thought of like calling Neil and being like, "Hey Neil, we're moving. Can your gorilla come over and help lift the truck?" Yeah, yeah. If you ever need anything out of a small hole, you know, <laughs> give one of us a call. But uh, do you need something that can move something? You need yeah, to call uh, Neil. just uh, a gorilla that like you think it's going to attack you by pummeling, but then it throws rodents at you. Is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah. Sorry, witches. <clears throat> All right, your favorite story containing witches could be film, television, a book, a song, a ball, a poem. Um, I let's start with Neil. Uh, so mine's Hansel and Gretel, but I want to be specific here mm. so that we don't get confused. I'm speaking of the children's story, the I believe Grimm's fairy tale. Is it a Grimm, Hansel and Gretel? It's a Grimm thing. Uh, I'm into that. I am not into the movie starring Jeremy Renner. Damn. Hansel and Gretel witch hunters. Conceptually, I'm into it. Like Hansel and Gretel grow up to be Blade, but white, I guess. Execution-wise. Um, yeah. <laughs> not great, execution-wise. So, But, you know, the story of Hansel and Gretel getting lost in the woods, you know, that that rings true. And uh, them, you know, baking the the witch is pretty gruesome at the end. The whole thing's pretty gruesome, but uh, you know what? It 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 instilled in me in a young age a healthy fear of old ladies in the woods. Oh no! See, that's what the that's what the witchcraft stories want you to fear. Yeah. Um, Maybe I shouldn't okay. have been listening to them so this whole time. Your story is about uh, yeah. Okay, so. Uh, Evil old ladies in the woods who lure people with candy and cakes and stuff like that. Yeah, right. a candy house with an oven in it. Don't think about it. But <laughs> very scary. <laughs> very scary. Dave, what's yours? Uh, I'm taking the Harry Potter story. The uh, original I'm arc, sorry, the not what? the fan. The, the Her- Harry, I haven't heard of this one. What is this mm-hmm. one? It's a series of books that were adapted to a movie that have thus become an entire Wizarding World franchise. Uh, yeah, Harry Potter, uh, definitely has some witches, but it's more as like, uh, the girls at his boarding school and then Harry goes through puberty at a time when somebody that should be listening to his trauma doesn't and things get a little shaky. But, uh, in terms of including witches, yes, Harry Potter does. And I really like it. I reread it or listen to it on audiobook during the Christmas season. And I'm looking forward to it this year. I really need that boost. What do you feel like the Harry Potter says about witches that you find um, the most interesting? Because, I mean, like, that that's a, I guess it's like, yeah, wizards. Yeah, Hermione, like, the nomenclature in that one is that, like, them all the men are wizards and all the women are witches. Is that right? Right. Okay. I mean, I sort of like that. I realize that might be sort of. And now in the context of an entire episode about other probably more distinctly witch stories that might be sort of minimizing to just make it like, you know, 
actor and actress, but that's it's so funny. Yeah, I, I feel this sort of way, what it is. But I feel that way about the word warlock. I'm like, why not just call them all witches? Like, I don't know that you need a male version of this. Why not just say like you're a witch and those dudes are witches too? You know what I mean? Like, I've, also it's they like, do kind of spells and shit, so it's totally witches. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not questioning your choice of Harry Potter. Dave, I was just curious, sort of like what it had to say. I was just no, it was it was, a, it was a good prompt. I guess what it says is that uh, it reclaims it in a way that uh, being a witch is just being part of like this magical community that has its own culture and history. And I think I really like it uh, in terms of well, we're going to talk about Sabrina later, but in terms of the the bloodlines that are formed within these worlds and the story world that's built around them, I think is interesting, particularly for the witches of both those stories. I've, um, I've always really liked the, um, the stories that like, and not even like the stories that lean super hard into reclaiming, like, you know, the idea of witches It's just sort of like, I like this idea of witches that are, women in the woods or not, uh, who actually like help the community and, and have like magical powers about them and maybe have extended lives and definitely have a lot of wisdom, um, but are like helpful. And so I've always like, um, one of my favorites is Angela Lansbury and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That's a really good witch. She fought Nazis. What what could be better? Um, I've talked here on this podcast before about the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Morwen is a witch who like makes delicious gingerbread and cider and has a million cats, but is not a crazy cat lady who lives in the forest. And she's great and rules. Um, but damn, I think- it's too bad Hansel and Gretel didn't run into her. I know they should have. She would have just fed them gingerbread and cider, and it would have been delicious. <laughs> um, but my favorite example of this is what are the witches that Terry Pratchett created for his Discworld. Um, he did, he, you know, if you've read any Discworld books, ter- what Terry Pratchett often liked to do was take an established story and then put his own like super weird twist on it. So he did, he has a book that I believe is just called the weird sisters, uh, which is the name of the witches in Macbeth. Um, and so he's got this trio of witches, um, granny weatherwax, Nanny Og, and there's a character named Magret. Um, and in then in later books, when he did this Tiffany Aching series, which is this really, really great series of like geared towards younger kids, Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Og make the journey over to that series. And then you've got Tiffany Aching, who's this great, uh, witch figure. So all the witches in, it's not to say that like every witch, uh, in a Terry Pratchett story is good because you've got like, as with anything, you should have like people who, um, abuse power and people who know how to harness power. But like when it comes to the kind of witch that I would like to be, if I get to choose to be a witch, it would be like the granny Wax or nanny Og is like a very like fat, jolly, uh, loves like body songs and like, um, you know, has a million children because she likes sex so much and she drinks all the time and stuff like that. And she's like this one kind of really cool lady. And then you've got Granny Weatherwax, who's like super severe and lives alone with her cat in no nonsense in the woods and like can control the bees and all sort of stuff. And it's just like this really cool, different ideas of, of like what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a powerful woman. And that's something I love about Sabrina, which we'll talk about. But this idea of like, not having one archetype for a witch, but like many different um, ways in which women can exert their power. So 
Um, that would be, that's my very long winded, um, answer to that one. And then the last one, since, since I like just went off about like the positivity of witchdom, um, the witch that scared us most as a child is the last thing that I wanted to talk about. And I will go first and say, uh, for me, it was the crone, uh, who's the evil queen in Snow White. Um, when I saw that, I was really young when I saw Snow White, it's the first movie I remember seeing. And I'm talking about the Disney uh, version. And there was a tree outside my window when I was a kid where the, like the bare branches would scratch on the glass. Um, <laughs> and I would have nightmares that it was like the crone from uh, Snow White uh, scratching on uh, the glass of my bedroom window. So that is a very strong, like elemental fear memory from my childhood. Uh, Dave, what's the witch that scared you most as a child? Queen Baboda from Willow, who turns Val Kilmer into a pig, and it traumatized me. Not like the Odyssey pigs. That seemed fine, because it was in text. But, like, something about the screaming turning into pig screaming made me fear her as more than, like, any fictional witch uh, before. Maybe any fictional witch until I got really into horror movies. Bab Morda is the same. This, the actress who plays Bab Morda um, is the same. Jean Marsh is the same actress who played Mombi in uh, Return Ooh, of Oz. So she was like that's, yeah, double chaining a couple, yeah. yeah, horrible ones. Yeah, double double terrifying witch, and I and she gets like so moist <laughs> in Willow. You know, she's so like <laughs> yes, waxy and moist at the end. Um, all right, Neil, what's your what's your terrifying witch from your childhood? Well, I'm going with uh, Angelica Houston in the movie Witches for two reasons. One, one is that uh, when I was little and I first saw this movie, the concept of being churned into a mouse was terrifying. Second of all, it's the transition and like the physical effects of when they finally turn into witches. Like that whole movie just builds to them turning into like the gross, disfigured versions. Uh, so yeah, it really fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> to put a fine point on it yeah it's a good one really scary um, yeah like really just just really unnerving as a child to see that um and it was what i remember specifically about it is not only that it happens but that it's in like a well-lit like isn't it in like a hotel conference yeah. room where yeah. it happens yeah so it's like it's not like in a dark corner somewhere it's like yeah it's like <laughs> like try walking down Try watching that movie and then like walking through a hotel where there's a bunch of closed rooms and you don't know what's going on in there. Uh, so yeah, crazy. Um, I love that. Um, so that's like, those are all our witch prompts. I, I like at one point I thought I might talk more about like the witches trials and all the like crazy stuff that they did, but I don't know. I don't want to get those. Well, we can talk about that a little bit. Oh, stuff that happened in real life is too depressing. Well, it's just like, <laughs> it's just terrible things. These women, it's just really awful. Um, that's like a lot of history yeah. we could just have like a history podcast <laughs> terrible things they did to women so yeah, it's so well it's all, and yeah. you know what though it's like it's historically witches are it's another thing that sort of like mankind created to explain things it didn't understand at the time so like yeah. they created witches to essentially uh explain in probably many cases just like mental illness that we now normally just have and treat so uh, it's it's one of those. It, that's where it comes from, and you know, is that the source of? I mean, that's where it feels like it comes from. 
I mean, that's probably closer to something where we got werewolves, which is our idea of like a serial killer. I think witches was, um, like a derogatory term. Like the, the where we get our modern understanding of what a witch hunt means is actually not that far from what it would have meant in context, which is it's an accusation you can make that it's shocking enough that it doesn't need any actual proof. Right. Unproofable. Uh, yeah can be you know applied to either powerful women or just a nearby anybody who is nearby a tragic event uh but it's a it's a scapegoating tool is i think how witches happened and then of course we you know had to create christianity and demonize paganism so that got rolled into it and that's how we sort of became our like modern mythology of uh the witch and then i think Joanna, let me know if I'm mismonologuing the, the history of like uh, fake witches. But as it's been reclaimed as like more of a women's power position, uh, I've been surprised how much of the paganism just sort of came along with it. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, and I know I know some women who, um, you know, are consider themselves pagan. And I, I think that it, um, I also know some people who consider themselves druids. I mean, like, it's a, it's a thing that sort of, <laughs> Joanna know, knows a lot of different type of people. <laughs> I don't know if that's just like the, <laughs> the weird circles that I run in or what, but like, I don't know. I, I think, I think this, um, yeah, this reclamation of, um, witchiness is just like a connection to earth and like, and, and reclaiming sort of the things that were vilified by the whole, you know, witch mythology. And it's just sort of like, you know, as, as we will talk about with Sabrina, maybe less so slightly less. So with Suspiria, no, kind of with Suspiria too. I would say like that the idea of witches in this is not to like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of scary, but it's also kind of thrilling. I think for women to watch, um, the, like the idea of sisterhood and the power that comes from it. Uh, shout out to just a couple more fictional witches that we did not get a chance to talk about. Shout out to my, my girl, the sea witch Ursula, who rules, right? <laughs> um, I believe the character is Minnie, which is uh, the character in Rosemary's Baby, the next door neighbor character played by Ooh. Uh, that rad woman who is in Harold and Maude, whose name I can't remember. Um, but that's a really good witch. Um, as in, she's a very bad witch, but uh, she's a very, very fun witch. And then Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay or Morgane or her Morgana or whoever you want to call her. But that's like, that's an elemental early witch. She's more of like a sorceress, I guess, than a witch, what, however you want to call it. But like, but that's the thing is like, there's also the idea of witch terminology that like has different, you know, cause like, oh, if they're a good witch, they're an enchantress, you know, or a sorceress is kind of like slightly more positive. Whereas like witch crone, these like various things have negative connotations. Um, and then I just just be proud time, of your witchdom, witch, <laughs> witchiness. <laughs> um, I recently watched. Um, here's what I'll say, and I don't know. Broadway can come at me if they want. There is right now on YouTube, fairly recently uploaded, a rather fuzzy but clear enough recording of the original uh, Broadway cast of Wicked performing uh, the show. And you can watch, um, Chris and Chenoweth and Adina Menzel, 
um, and Leonor Rebutz and all those other people, Joel Gray, uh, performing Wicked on Broadway that someone shot from their seat. And I don't generally support, you know, filming stage shows from your seat, but I also really wish that they would just, re- they have filmed these shows. I wish they would release them even like much later, like, but they don't want to eat into their own ticket sales. And I completely understand that. But like that, it, I think that's a great, it's actually a really good show. I don't love that book, but I like that show a lot. And, um, you know, it's an interesting exploration of like the vilification, the unjust vilification, the scapegoating of, of women in power. So there you go. Uh, should we talk about, Sabrina and Suspiria and all those other things. Yes. Right after this break. This is the segment of the podcast where we issue our thanks to our small council Patreon supporters. We got a bunch of new subscribers uh, or Patreon members uh, this month. So thank you all for joining us. And this, this is, these are the new class along with the rest of the old class that we had that read out. So thank you, Thomas Hankins. Tony Rollins, Will Nazar, Taylor Hughes, T. Ledoux, Timothy Clayton, Tyler Hanan, Vanessa Marshall, Spencer Howard, Severe Sigfusson. No, I fucked that up. I apologize. Mm. Uh, Zachary Silverman, Tasia uh, Pender, Summer McCusker, Shirlene Love, Tommy Fitzgerald, Sean Stringfield, Stephen Weathers, Warp Stone, Stephanie Hoffman, Victoria Stout, Stacey Taxon, Tanya Andren, Shrum, Will Wallace, Whimsy Riot, Nope, <laughs> Vince Luis, and oh no, <laughs> Gaelic. Have we done so no more? Uh, I think I think I tried it once, but it didn't work. Okay, go well. you guys, I think it was definitely me, and I had a Google pronunciation button say it to me right right before I said oh, it. Oh, you jerks! No one warned me. Okay, I'm gonna let's I'm gonna finish with this one. You guys do yours, and I'm gonna. You didn't finish. notice that everybody was like, "You take the blue one, Joanna." <laughs> I didn't know why. All right, <laughs> you guys go. I'm gonna come back. All right, I would like to thank Wade McFarlane, Saquon Gatling, Tom Whitham, Sean Cosme, Eve Font- Fontila, Steph. With an F. Perfect. I like that. Step with an F. DJ Empirical. Stacy Winkleplek. Steph. Seth Pollock. Not Steph Pollock. Unless you want to be. In which case, happy naming day. Seth Pollock. Jen Dolph. Alexander Projanski. Damon and Eve. Jennifer Gustafson. Andrew Cranny. Sungast. Yes. <laughs> Suzangst. Yeah. Suzangst is how I'm going to go for it instead of Soongast because that's just absolutely wrong. Soongast, Nathaniel Steyer, Dan Janes, Miranda Blankenship, Matthew Prater, Grace Richardson, Lauren Cefalo, James Barda, Danielle E. Healy, Heather Ogden, Katie Talby, Shane O'Reilly, and Jocelyn Land. Uh, and I've got the last uh, batch here, and I would like to say that uh, the reason why I had Joanna take the first section is because I wanted to read over my list, but I have not done so. So here we go. <laughs> Jennifer Dostal, Moira Burke, Lauren Dillard, Leslie Autumn, Mike Moody, Sophie C. Maya, Fiona Alberici, Anthony Goal. Jenny Perry, William Goodman, Eleanor Buchanan, Nathan Real, Ralph Helm, Kelsey McKinney, 
Brian Ohm, Amber Plachke, Plachy, Plachy. I don't know. Erica Kremenak, Fies, Ardith, Chelsea Pachel, Christopher J. McTair, Emily Donahue, Anais Chevalier, Torin Solly, Brian Brantley, and Sam, and then Aaron with two N's, which was a tough one because of the ends. And I want to thank <laughs> Shosum Odale. Thank you. Oh, so ooh, nice. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I mean, doesn't no. game well, now- jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, now that I hear you say it, it makes sense the way it's spelled. The first part? I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> your name isn't strange. My tongue is strange. Thank you all so much for your support. We, really we are but it. mere stupid Americans. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back with... Two more witchy happenings. One's on Netflix, and you can watch it right now. The other is coming to theaters this weekend. In a, is is it going wide or is it just in a limited? Well, it started this past weekend. Like it's currently out. It's out. Okay, good. And so it's going to be more out. It's expanding. This is the expanding week. Got it. So chances are you, like me, can finally see Suspiria this weekend. Remake so of the Argenta film, where Tilda Swetton plays a man. Plays three. I mean, people. there's more to it. Plays three people. We're gonna tell you about it uh, now. We're gonna start with Sabrina, though. Neil, you convinced me to watch Sabrina with our bonus segment that our Patreon subscribers heard. I put it in my Netflix queue like a good human being. And through the process of just going down the list of what was in my Netflix queue, only managed to watch one episode of this show that I really think I could like um, before this sh- this uh, this podcast recording. I'll say that it's uh, has a rough start because it's got a lot of world building to do. If you aren't like familiar with the comics, but other than that, Neil, have you gotten more of the way through Netflix's Sabrina? The Teenage Witch. Uh, well, it's actually interesting. Excuse me. The Chilling Adventures. The Chilling Adventures of the Sabrina. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. In the Riverdale cinematic universe. That's correct. Um, it's interesting that you bring up that it's a rough start and there's a lot of world building. I did enjoy that a lot. I am struggling to come up with a good reason why I've not finished The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina yet. I've watched eight episodes. Uh, those are the screeners that I got. And I've not yet come back to it. I think mostly just out of laziness um but there's nothing wrong with it it's good it's delightful i just feel like i needed to stick with it originally like it feels like one of those binges where i might not finish it and um i've heard the ending's pretty good so that's weird oh interesting so it's like a binge that benefits from being able to be binged Right, because the question is, you know, how many of the how many shows exist out there in the world where you've watched, you know, the first like four or five episodes, or even in this case, like eight episodes of something, and there's like two or three more, and for some reason, just can't come back to it. I mean, that didn't used to be a problem, but increasingly, that's becoming a problem that I have. Right, like when I go, is the bodyguard good? And I'm like, eh, Dave's like out, I'm out. Yeah, no, no time, <laughs> right. no time. Like as Joanna was describing the bodyguard earlier, I was like, mm, I could watch a couple episodes of that, but I don't that's know. What if I really recommend. I recommend all the you way. watch. 
I recommend you watch like two episodes of the bodyguard. Um, they sent me like three episodes or four episodes super early and I watched those and I really liked them. And then I got the, the, like the next up to eight and I felt like the show sort of like when I watched those, I felt like the show show was starting to like lose control a little bit, which is, you know, an easy thing to predict since this is from the guy who created Riverdale. Um, and then, but overall, I, I liked it. I have issues with it, but I liked it. But yeah, I actually have no motivation to go and finish it. Like zero, zero motivation to finish it. Which is Not interesting. Even, yeah. Because our, so. our, the other thing we're going to talk about in this segment, Suspiria, I would, I would go watch again immediately. Right now. And that's like go. a three hour movie. Yeah. And that's yeah. a big commitment for like my lifestyle. So, um, yeah, it's, I guess it's interesting that if we're not that, like, cause I found, I, I found the Sabrina show very charming. Uh, Kieran Shipka is great. The cast is just lovely. Um, I feel like it'll be something that I go back and finish on a random, like the next time I'm just sitting around on a Sunday, not doing anything. Uh, maybe I can just be like, Oh, all right, I'll clear this out in a couple hours. But, um, I don't feel a sense of urgency to do that. And, I just think what it says about it is something that we've talked about with ne- other Netflix shows is maybe they just they just gave it too much. They gave too much room for the story they had. So maybe it works better as like an eight episode uh, season instead of what? It's like 11 or 13, right? This is one of the bigger ones. So yeah, yeah so that's, that's tough for any show to live up to in the streaming era, especially on a platform like Netflix where you're, already in the mindset like netflix is where i go when i want something that i can sort of knock out quickly <laughs> you know like it's where i go to get my like episodes of parks and rec where it's like i was just i'm gonna sit down and eat lunch and i want to watch like a 30 minute thing so the binges have to be a little quicker the binges have to be a little um you know more engaging for a less amount of time maybe yeah well i, I think that's sorry we're also reaching like the thing that um, Netflix promised was coming, which is just is just this con- I've just been feeling the content glut so much the past I would say two months that they have like ten episodes at least of something like every weekend that I want to watch, and that's just like that's crazy, you know. And even though I get the episodes in advance, like even watching them in advance, like I'm still watching them all, you know. <laughs> and so it's like. Haunting of Hill House or, you know, Daredevil, like all these, you know, Maniac, like all this stuff that I've really liked, I've had to just like shove into my face in order to have space to watch the next thing. And then it doesn't like linger with you the way that it hopes it will. Like I loved Maniac and I loved the Haunting of Hill House and I loved Daredevil, but like none of them I think are sticking with me the way that I want them to. And we talked about this like before about like week by week watching things, having time to sort of like chew over them and stuff like that. Now it's just like Netflix all the time, man. But I will say, uh, so I, I, the things that I liked about Sabrina a lot are like the, the look of it. I think it's looks amazing. Um, there's a few standout performances for me. For me, it's Michelle Gomez. Who's playing character, Madam Satan, Michelle Gomez, who has been a little too much for me on shows like green wing or Dr. Who. I think she's found like her, she's calibrated to the perfect level in, in this, um, Show and then Lucy Davis, who's playing Anne Hilda, who I think uh, is <laughs> just the everything uh, for this show. I think she's so so good. I am less uh, enchanted by Karen Shipka. I think she's actually really wooden. 
here and uh she's she feels like she's playing in a different series than the one she's in a lot i don't know if that's like a writing in the first couple episodes sort of thing i don't think it goes away is my is my experience with it like she's so good at Mad Men, but like i'm not conf- like a lot of people are good at Mad Men who aren't necessarily good in other places like january jones so like uh, you know i don't know if this is a case of like sally draper was a really good fit for karen shipka and like you know, she did some good voice acting on Avatar or on Korra, but like, well, I, I, I haven't I seen would, Karen Shipka be good in anything else. So, and I've the, seen her in a lot of other things. So, this is such like a CW show in the sense that there are scenes where two people are talking their intentions at each other, and there's like zero subtext to what's actually happening, and they're pretending that subtext, but it's like not because it's teenage soap opera based. And there are certain teenage actors who could really sell that, and it doesn't seem like she can. Like, if you gave her a page of nothing, she needs, like, an actual character motivation to be doing some of these things. Whereas I think the really successful actors in your Gossip Girls or your Riverdales (laughs) are just able to just be like, what, I'm talking about nothing? Great. I'm going to do the quivering lip mad thing. I'm going to do my five faces. We're going to go through it all really quick. And, you know, that ends up being like a really fast series. But I don't think, I think this series feels like it's built like that. And she's not acting in that space. Yeah. She's trying to build, slowly build a character off of what's like actually in the story. When I think it could have come out fully formed and more soap opera, actually. Yeah. Whereas, and I, I don't know that I understand what show Miranda Otto thinks she's in. I, it, it also <laughs> feels like something else. Miranda Otto is Zelda. Miranda Otto is a person that I usually quite like. Um, but yeah, the people who I think are perfectly calibrated for the series are uh, your weird sisters. Um, Prudence specifically, played by Tati, uh, Tati Gabrielle is her name. Um, she's just like, oh, over the top, can do. Um, and then Chance Perdomo, who's playing Cousin Ambrose. I think he's fantastic in this. Um, I would watch the Aunt Hilda Ambrose hour of TV forever. So, yeah, I think there's just like things I like and things I don't. And because it's a mixed bag for me and because I vastly prefer the comics, which are even darker and weirder and crazier. Um, yeah, then I'm kind of like, I don't know that I need to go back and finish this show, actually. Interesting. Well, knowing that, that, you know, I thought we were going to have a little bit more to talk about, but it seems like we're going to leave this up to you, the listeners, to decide on whether or not how many words you're going to take after the, uh, to put it in the terms I did before. (laughs) We're going to move on to Suspiria, uh, which you guys both managed to see festivaling, and I'm super curious about it, not seen. What context do i need as somebody who's seen the original and a trailer for this movie to be prepared for the hours of story it wants to push on me push on you how aggressive um (laughs) i think uh, what i will say about suspiria which as you rightly pointed out is uh, it's not three hours but it's definitely over two hours um it was such an easy sit for me. I don't know if it was that felt that way for you, Neil, but like there were so many films. We talked about this when we did the Fantastic Fest episode, but there were so many films at that festival that like every minute of its two plus hour felt like a slog. Um, and then Suspiria just like zoomed by for me. What I will suggest people do with Suspiria, you know, like sometimes you see a movie in a theater and you're like, this should be seen in the theater. 
go see Suspiria in the theater. Like, I understand that this is not like a Marvel, like, you know, the bar to like go to a theater these days is like, oh, is it a Marvel that I have to see? Is it like a something else that I have to see? But like, um, Suspiria, I, I think if you're at home and you're on your phone, you're not going to get into the groove that you need to be into for this. And I think you just need to like, let yourself get it like you know be taken over by this just let it wash over you let it wash over you (laughs) it really and you know what to answer your question dave you don't need anything you don't need any other context you actually don't even need to have seen the original movie i haven't seen the original so um because you know on a conceptual level i guess it's there's stuff in there um you know especially about some of the lore stuff i think that's in there is pulled from the original um but the basic stuff is the same. It's you know it's a dance troupe. Guess what? They're witches. Um, and yeah, Joanna's right. It cooks like it really has a good energy to it, and um, it flies by for a three-hour movie. The performances are just incredible. Uh, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Tilda Swinton playing multiple characters, doing all kinds of crazy stuff in this movie, but. This movie really sold to me, like Dakota Johnson, as sort of like a mm. just a force of performance. Like, there's just so much of this movie that just looks super hard physically. Yeah. And she just throws herself just. All that dancing. Yeah, way into it. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it's one of those things where it's just, it's mesmerizing. Like, it just, it, it really does sort of cast a spell on you. I know and, it sounds cheesy to say, but I just like I agree with you completely. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's pretty great. Pretty great the uh, pretty great little movie there. Little big movie. <laughs> Suspiria. <laughs> Suspiria. I mean the thing Suspiria it is, it's such a mood movie. You know what I mean? And uh Suspiria has this great kind of witchery that I think you we'll talk about hereditary in the bonus segment, but like that I think you get out of that uh, uh, spoilers say that there's a coven in hereditary that coven in hereditary where like everyone is not like like you know it, it's just like a like a bunch of ladies <laughs> they just yeah. like, look like a bunch of ladies like they're just like you know they're not like all wearing like clangling jewelry and have long hair and are all like oh well that's a coven you're just like oh it's a group of like european ladies talking about dance probably no they're talking about witchcraft Uh, no already suspicious (laughs) i've been raised to believe that's suspicious but in suspiria even though they're all dressed like normal people it's like oh shit we know what's going on here so, oh, wait, so it sounds like we know what's going on here happens much sooner in this new version That's, than it did in the latter yeah. version. Oh, so for what sure. Been, what I've been told oh, okay. about the original Suspiria is that it's like, are they witches? And the, this one is like, hey, P.S., they're witches. <laughs> like, ready All right, to start. so I, I asked my, my initial question wrong. I assumed that, yeah, it was more a traditional remake. And what my no. initial question was is, how long do I have to sit through a three-hour movie pretending I don't know that there are witches involved? <laughs> So not long, apparently. No, not at all. Like, I would say from the go, um, you know, depending on how much you want to believe a Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz, the rantings of a Chloe Grace Moretz. But um, the uh, it's it, it's one of those remakes where they take uh, once again, not having seen the original, but like having read up on it and talked to a lot of people who have seen it, that they take the original concept and they're like, OK, cool. We understand that this is our version of that. It's very different. 
but you can see how we're interacting with that story. You know, mm. where you have like a Susie who comes to a dance troupe in Germany and blah, blah, blah. But like what then what happens is not what happens uh, in the original film. So, um, yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of people I talked to who had seen the original were just like over the moon for this movie because it's just like its own thing. The interesting thing for me, because like um, this has been such an episode of me talking about like, I don't know, uh, my thoughts about representations of women in media is that um, I find Suspiria to be like intensely feminist. There are no major male roles except for the one that's played by Tilda Swinton. There's like two cop characters that they're barely speaking and they are like nothing. They're, they're, you know, really nothing. And so like, this is just a very female point of view film. Um, they specifically put Tilda Swinton in this old man role so that they would have no like male gaze in their film. This like whole thing that they did. But at the end of the day, this is also, this is still a film written by a man and directed by a man. <laughs> so it's like, it's so interesting to me, like kudos to Luca Guadagnino and the screenwriter who I talked to, whose name I can't remember, but who is very interesting. Um, for wanting to tell the story, kudos to them for telling a very interesting story about female power and its various different, um, like shapes and sizes. But like, uh, I don't know. There's just like, it's not to say that, you know, men can't tell complete and interesting stories about women, but like, I, I don't know. It's just so interesting that it's being touted as this, like, there are no male characters, blah, blah. And I'm like, there are major male characters in this. They just have to be behind the camera, but they're, they're there, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. But I'm I'm excited to hear what you think of it, David. If you like it, as someone who's seen the original, yeah. And now just to carve out three hours on top of my week, uh, and maybe twelve more hours of Sabrina, but also maybe. Uh, eh. So uh. I'm telling you, it's a big ask. <laughs> yeah, this everything everything's a big ask these days. Do, if you would have told me this summer, being like, I know you're sick of Infinity War now. But there'll be a time uh, later on this year where there's like there's so much quality. I just need the next Marvel installment to turn my brain off. I would have said crazy. Marvel movies are the quality. Now you know but how also the real fans the feel. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got a uh, Sabrina and a yeah Suspiria. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. That's good service journalism. Good job, guys. Uh, so until next week, Neil, what are we doing next week? Well, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but <laughs> here's what's written down in the notes. It's a, it's a thing we call three hosts, three games. Apparently we're going to be playing some games. Um, we'll figure it three out. Three of them. Three, three games, one for each of us. Um, yeah, we'll find out more later. Do you guys, it's going to be, oh, go ahead. Get no, no, please. I insist. Uh, um. No, no, you start talking now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go ahead, please, Joanna. Um. Do you? <laughs> do you guys? Did you play? Because we're definitely playing pop culture. Fuck Mary Kill. That is one thing we're definitely playing. I might even have you guys, you listeners, suggest some some uh, prompts for us for that. But um, do you guys call it Fuck Mary Kill when you played it as like kiddos? Because there's like various other sanitized versions of it. Um, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I did when when that was being played. It was FMK for sure. Okay, I know that the Brits call it like 
snog, snog, marry, avoid, which just sounds so tepid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole point. The whole point of the game is to kill someone. So, <laughs> um, you, know, you just you got to commit to it. We just we can't we can't live in a world where it's not like oh I'm just ducking their like calls. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do commit. the other while we're slightly make it fun of the British. I'm gonna do my American piece here. Next week's show is gonna be silly. We want to make sure that on Tuesday you get out and vote if you are of voting age, yes. living in the United States. Uh, Maybe we even put it up late. The important thing is don't let our podcast or anything else get in way of you exercising your right to vote. Go U.S. Do, do we, your part. Do we usually put podcasts up on? It's Tuesday, right? Or is it Wednesday? Sometimes we do late Tuesday. Sometimes we do Wednesday. The important thing is I want people to know not it's not coming on Tuesday. If you no li- matter what I say. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, like, maybe you could listen to our podcast while you're standing in line to vote. That might be something you could do. No, no, no. Don't even tempt them. I don't want them distracted. Right. They have a life they have to get away from for long enough to maybe show up at the polls. And there's some places in the United States where that's going to be made difficult for them. Yeah. We're with you guys. You could listen to this episode if you want. Save it. Have some spookiness after Halloween. Uh, I guess you're at the end of it now, though. So I should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> was, so until next week. Say, I don't know. <laughs> where can people around. find more of our work online? <laughs> Let's start with Neil Miller. Uh, Give me over at filmschoolrejects.com uh, or on Twitter, twitter.com slash rejects or twitter.com slash one perfect shot. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to email the show, stormofspoilersgmail.com or follow our show at Storm of Spoilers on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. Um, so there you go. That's where that's what I'm doing. Excellent. And uh, head witch Joanna Robinson. Oh, head witch still. Um, you can find me on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jarethis. Uh, in terms of other podcasts, fellow witch Katie Rich and I are doing a women's only edition of Little Gold Men this week. So you might want to listen to our mini coven convene as we talk about uh, the Oscar race over on that podcast. As we talk about building yurts to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Dave Wait, Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter. Should we start doing that now? Or? That's when Katie uh, and I have had that plan for years. Oh, oh yeah. We're definitely not invited, Neil. Don't even try. <laughs> Damn. I've tried. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DA70 um, uh, and my other podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next week. And I urge you that you don't fall down. On your way to the polls on the way your way to the polls or in general be safe